803 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Okay, uh, big final hour of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, in short order here, we're going to announce the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award for Sports Media Personality of the Year. Sports Personality of the Year, sorry. Uh, that's going to be ha- handed out February 28th at the annual RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Now, uh, you all everybody knows this event. It's one of the signature events on the Vancouver Sporting Calendar. Uh, there's always the grand keynote speaker that comes in. Past speakers have included Shaquille O'Neal, Drew Brees, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Rob Gronkowski. This year, it's John McEnroe, who's actually a return visitor to Vancouver, having been here for the Laver Cup. And he was on our show a couple times as well, which was very cool. A-Dog's like, no. Yeah. Remember him? <laughs> the golf guy, right? Yeah, that's oh, the one. Okay. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the phone lines now, and we're going to be joined by Jason Tackefman from the JCC, to talk about this event and then to announce the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award. Uh, good morning, Jason. How are you? Good morning. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. So before we get to the announcement of the winner of this year's Jack Diamond, let's talk about the event. I kind of alluded to it. There's always the signature, always a great keynote speaker, and this year is no different. Uh, I imagine things may get pretty animated when you have them. Talk about uh, John McEnroe coming to town for the annual RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Yeah, we hope it gets animated, actually. We've had, like you said, great speakers like Shaq, Barkley, Montana, Rice, Really, this event has become one of the key sports fundraisers in the province. On top of having a great speaker, we have incredible sports memorabilia, amazing live auctions, silent auctions, incredible networking. It's really sort of the place to be for the downtown court and for the sports fans as well. Now, uh, the other key part of the evening is handing out the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year Award. So this goes to an individual who has, quote-unquote, consistently demonstrated a competitive and cooperative spirit who has excelled in the field of sport and who has made a positive contribution to our community. Now, this year's winner, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but we have the individual on hold, on the line as well, listening live. So, Jason, I will cede the airwaves to you. Can you, you let our listeners know who is the winner of the 2024 Jack Diamond Award. Absolutely. On top of it being a great place for sports fans and a speaker, really the crown jewel of the event is the Jack Diamond Award. We give it out to someone who really helps our community on and off the field, someone who not only has won, but someone who tries to make our community a better place. Past winners last year was Megan Acosta, true winners like Charmaine Crooks, Noah Cantor, Steve Nash, Rick Hansen, Maury Keith. And this year, To go along with those incredible names, we have two-time Grey Cup champion, coach, author, speaker, BC Lions legend, the honoree of the Jack Diamond Award for the 31st annual RBC JCC Sports Center is BC Lions legend, Angus Reid. Well deserved. That's a great pick. Very well done. Yeah. And we actually have Angus on the line right now, so we'll bring him into the conversation. Uh, Angus, first off, congrats. And Jason, if you want to offer your congrats as well, uh, very prestigious award and very well deserved. 
Thank you. Uh, I, we I, couldn't I, be more I, proud I, to honor you, Angus. Uh, and thank you for everything that you've done in the community, and thank you for everything uh, that you represent for the Jack Diamond Award. Oh, thank you, Jason, and, and, and thank you, guys. Uh, this, you know, when I first heard this, it was presented to me. I, I I'm still really trying to uh, come to terms with this being real. Uh, that's how kind of overwhelmed I am and, and, and humbled I am because uh, you know, growing up in this city and going to this event many times, I. I, I do understand uh, how big of an event this is and how prestigious of, of, of an award this is. And, and for me, um, it's, it's beyond humbling. And I just am, I'm still really, really, really blown away here. Okay, so Angus, stick around for a sec because we do want to speak with you. Jason, uh, we'll bid you farewell. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. And enjoy everything on the 28th for the JCC Sports Dinner. Thank you so much for everything you and 650 and Roger do for us. And we'll see you on the 28th. Thank you. We appreciate it. Okay, Angus, once again, congrats on the award. So a little bit more about learning that you're going to get this one. Uh, walk us through the reaction and feelings upon learning that you were officially the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year. Well, uh, it was a few a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, it was requested to have a meeting with the board. And I remember my initial reaction. I told my wife I, I was really worried about this meeting because – I, I convinced myself that I was going to decline because my assumption and my certainty was that they were going to ask me if I would MC the event. And that, that was, <laughs> I was 100% sure that that was the ask. And I usually say yes to everything. But again, the magnitude of the event, I'm like, I think this is beyond my abilities. I'm going to have to say no to MCing this. And I was really prepared to have to say, I, I don't think, I think this is beyond what I can do here. And I think my wife was, was savvier, smarter, or, or saw clearer than I did. And, and she was in the other room as, as I was, you know, on the, on the Zoom meeting. And when they told me this, I rarely am I lost for words. And I really, really couldn't have been more blindsided because I, I was convinced I was probably going to be asked to MC. And so this caught me so off guard. Uh, as I said, I'm still, still trying to sort of wrap my head around this being real. Um you were cut by the Toronto Argonauts at your first training camp, picked up by the Alouettes, spent most of it, I think, on the practice roster. Then you were traded to the BC Lions near the end of your rookie season. And I'm reading an old quote of yours in, in the Vancouver Sun. And you said, I figured, OK, I'm terrible. I was pretty much a journeyman at the end of my first year. I thought I better go look in the want ads for another career because it looks like I'm not going to be a football player. How does it feel to reflect on that first year in the CFL and that memory of, oh, my God, I might have to get a real job here uh, to what you ended up accomplishing in the CFL to the point that you're getting awarded with things like this? Yeah, it's it's really hard to when you look back all these years and, and look at what was you know what I was able to achieve, obviously, through countless help from so many people. But, you know, you, you forget sometimes those moments of despair and you forget those moments where. Uh, everything looks like it had fallen apart. And, and it's just a reminder, uh, you know, my career is really just a testament of, of being stubborn enough to just keep going. Uh, even in these moments where you're going, I don't think it's going to work. And, and you, you get up tomorrow and you just bring your best again. And, and you just keep moving forward and try to do your best with every, every opportunity you have. And, and, you know, for me, it worked out. And I think for everybody, it works out. It just might not always be exactly what you thought, but you know, I'll throw a little stat. You guys are, are, are more sports junkies than I am, but I might be the only professional athlete in the history of all team sports to be a number one draft pick cut in training camp. <laughs> I was Argo's number one pick, and they cut me before camp even ended. 
So, you know, you, you know, when you talk about um, highs and lows and the roller coasters of life, particularly as an athlete, uh, I experienced a lot of those in short periods of time. And, yeah, I just um, I stuck with it. I, I had people that believed in me. My family was always there. Uh, and, and I just kept bringing everything I had. And uh, when opportunities existed, I took them, and, and eventually it worked out pretty well. Uh, how many players became a CFL All-Star for the first time at 35 years old? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it was. It, you know, there's another wrinkle in that stat too because I was an All Canadian in my in my 11th year. I was a Western All Star in 04, and then a Western All Star again in 2011. So there's an eight year gap between initial All Stars. Like my, you know, you look back at that the 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 data points, and they're all over the map in terms of my career. Uh, you know, at one point I think I I started 150 games for the Lions, and then when I broke my foot. Uh, Wally basically told me my career was over and, 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 you know, I had to sit most of the 2010 season. I was told I'd retire at the end. And then, then I get re-signed after that season and become the all Canadian. So again, um, you know, things, life will take you all different places. My goal was to always stay on the ride as long as I could and, and just keep, keep holding on tight and bring what you can because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And, and I had a lot of opportunity to think it was over and I showed up and, and a lot more good things kept happening on the other side. We're speaking to BC Lions great Angus Reed here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you missed it, Angus has just been announced as the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award winner at the annual JCC dinner. Um, speaking of those BC Lions, Angus, uh, what have you thought about the direction that this franchise and this organization have taken recently uh, under the new owner, Amar Doman? I love it. I, I, you know, I, I really, really love it. Uh, I'm a fan first and center. I was a fan when I was a little kid here. Uh, I was, you know, my introduction to the Lions was kind of really young guy during the early 80s. So when the, when the, when the dome was packed and the Lions were winning, when it was a new novel thing and they were great. Uh, my teenage years were kind of through the 90s where things started looking bleak across the whole league. And I was really lucky through a chunk of my career uh, when Bobby Ackles came back and, and Wally was here and, and we won a lot that we sort of had that resurgence where, uh, you know, we hosted four straight Western finals and we had, we had a really busy busy stadium and, and it was high energy. And then and there was a lull again. And you're always wondering with this team, and with this league, uh, will it make it through this lull? And, and to see the resurgence again, I think is really, really great for the sport, um, for the club and for this city to have a really, really fun uh, environment where the team is also winning. Uh, it, it's so it's really good to see. Well, Angus, we want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We want to congratulate you again on the win, and we want to wish you the best of luck. Not having to MC the event, but actually just going up there and you still put together a nice speech for when you accept well, the award. As so. an STM guy, was it hard to congratulate a, a Vancouver College guy? You notice I didn't, bring, a, it up. I didn't bring it up. As a McGee guy, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, Angus Reed. Okay, you know what? It's Angus. I'll allow it. Uh, again, I wish you all the best uh, on the 28th, and congrats again. This was great. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's uh, Angus Reed, former BC Lions uh, offensive lineman, BC Lions legend, and the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award that will be handed out at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner Hyatt Regency February 28th. A reminder, if you are looking for sponsorship opportunities, tickets, or table purchases, they're all available right now. Go to jccsportsdinner.com on the internet. It'd be funny if they also got Angus to MC it. And the winner is me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about that? Play the music. <laughs> okay. Uh, we still got a lot more we got to do on the show today. 
Uh, we're going to give away the 32 Thoughts tickets, but that's coming up in the humanoid version of What We Learns. We need to do our What We Learns first, Jason. And uh, I think I'm going to start for the second consecutive day. I'm doing a here's stuff about the NBA that we're not talking about enough that I have learned what we learned uh, this time. That's what we learned all about. So this this it's true actually stuff we can't cover. We learn about it. Um, I do want to say that we may have a new entrant into the pantheon of great coach rants. Mm-hmm. I love a good coach rant. Not the player rants are good. Allen Iverson, we talking about practice. One of the best of all time. I'm 40. I'm a man. Coaching ones just hit different. And I don't know if it's because there's that sense of old man anger mm-hmm. that Playoffs? comes with it. Right? Everyone knows. I'm a man. I'm 40. Right. Can't play with him. Can't win with him. Can't do it. I love them all. Can't do it. Denny Green, mm-hmm. great. Hal McRae, busting that guy in the head with a telephone. <laughs> they nice. are who we thought they were. That's there right. you they go. They are who we thought they were. They're all great. Darko Ryakovic, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, entered the Pantheon last night. Late last night, I might add, because the Raptors were out west playing the Los Angeles Lakers in L.A. You know what happens when you get the Lakers in L.A., right? Calls tend to go for the Lakers and against you. And for the Toronto Raptors last night, and I actually watched this game live because it was on late. Uh, It really played out in the fourth quarter. The free throw disparity in the fourth quarter of an eventual one-point loss by the Raptors to the Lakers last night. Hello, you play to win the game. 23 free throws for the Lakers in the fourth quarter. You know how many the Raptors got? Two. Two. Yeah. Darko, God bless him, sat down at the podium, and you could tell that he was not happy the moment he sat down without uttering a word. Then, and I believe it was Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, just asked a question about, he started smartly with the the foul disparity. (laughs) And then Darko took the bait and took it and ran with it. I don't think he blinked for three and a half minutes during this incredibly fiery rant. I just let the man speak for himself. Here's Darko Ryakovic on what happened last night in L.A. That's Outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in the in fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I, all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all that, but we have star players on our team as well. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what's happening over here during the whole season, I've been holding it back. It's a complete crap. No, there is no explanation. They just, they just come up there, they review what, and they see what they want to see. Over again, the they got 36 free throws, 23 free throws in, in the fourth quarter. What are we talking about? How are we going to supposed to play? It's happening a lot. But I'm telling our guys, be professional. Keep fighting. Keep going for the next one. But until when? For how long? Thank you. <laughs> it was so polite at the end, too. It's like, thank you. For Any other me. questions? Yeah. <laughs> I have a follow-up about the officiating. <laughs> it was great. Again, I almost feel like we're not doing it justice because the visual on it is amazing. Mm. It's like, a complete crap. <laughs> and it was a complete crap. Let's be honest. The refereeing last night, a complete crap. So when you were watching this play out... Was it something that you noticed? Was yep. it something that the broadcasters were picking up? Jack Armstrong was all over it. Were there examples of 
officiating yep. errors. Yeah, 100%. Because sometimes I bristle when, you know, for example, in a hockey game, when it's like, but they, they had seven power plays and we only had two. It's like, okay. yeah, because you took seven penalties and they only took two. But you know what this was? Was it was every close decision, because they also went to the replay monitor what felt like 30 times. Every decision went against the Raptors. Every single decision. Now, were they right or wrong? Well, it's hard to say because when you watch the replay, much like we saw in the Edmonton situation with Connor McDavid, there were so many replays and so much time taken that everyone got to see numerous looks at it, and everyone came to the same conclusion. This feels like a 50-50 call, and then the decision would go way against the Raptors. Like There was an incident with when quickly fouled out because he elbowed Mm -hmm. um, Cam Reddish in the face. And not only, so they went to the monitor, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to overturn the foul. Well, no, they upgraded the foul <laughs> to a flagrant. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. It, that, that was a complete crap. That was crap. I yeah. feel shame. Yeah. NBA it's referees. It's a complete crap. Yeah. You have to say, a, it wasn't complete crap. It was, it was uh, a, a complete, complete crap. crap. So not you age. I hate parcel crap. It was a <laughs> finished crap. Yeah. We need to hockey that. Done. For sure. Done. Anyway, good on Darko for saying something. He won the respect of a lot of people yesterday because he was borderline unhinged, but he kept it together and didn't swear. And people respected that. And he said thank you at the end. So he's very polite. <laughs> it's important when you're coaching in Canada. Moocow, all that. Uh, we got some other NBA stuff that we'll get to later, too. Um, uh, my what we learned is that you were right. Um, the NFL coaching carousel, or the at least the firing part of the carousel, was not over. Yeah. And yesterday, um, after you said, listen, I think there's still going to be some vacancies that are going to be announced, um, the Tennessee Titans fired Mike Vrabel. Now, the Titans have been a bad team the last couple of years and Vrabel had been there what six years and yep, had six years quite a bit of success and I and I think a lot of people looked at that team and thought that's a pretty well coached team when they were having success um, there were guys like Ryan Tannehill maybe overachieving a little bit they were kind of a hard-nosed team was that a good way to describe the Tennessee Titans like good defense ran the ball well he felt like he fell directly from the Belichick coaching tree they right. they just yeah, played yeah. smart sound not flashy mm. football they waited for other teams to make mistakes, and they ran it hard, and yeah. they played hard-nosed football. They weren't exactly the most entertaining team to watch. They were not entertaining whatsoever. Um, and their quarterbacking situation over the last couple of years has been, to understate it, uncertain. Yep. And it remains that way. Um, and Mike Vrabel got fired. And it's funny because a lot of the times an NFL coach gets fired, it's like, well, he'll never work in the NFL again after the performance that he just had, or he'll never be a head coach in the NFL again. The reaction after Mike Vrabel was fired was very different. And a lot of people were like, hmm, if Bill Belichick isn't back in New England next year, yeah. could Mike Vrabel be the guy that goes there? Mike Vrabel should be atop of most coaching lists right now. I think Mike Vrabel. Do you think Mike Vrabel could stop the run? Yeah. Right? By himself. <laughs> um, look, I think Vrabel is a better option than Jim Harbaugh. And I know Jim Harbaugh is the coach du jour because he's coming off a natty. But I would say Vrabel was the 2021 coach of the year. Mm -hmm. He had the, the two seasons in 2020 and 2021. They were a really good football team for what they had talent wise. I know what's going on in Tennessee is they want to make the change to Will Levis mm -hmm. as the quarterback. And yeah. there's there's been some rumblings that Vrabel's like, I would like to have 
a quarterback that isn't going to go through the growing pains and maybe the highs and lows of what we're going to get with Levis because he wants to win football games. Yeah, he's but, been there a while now. Yeah, like Vrabel wants – would if he had his way, it would have been had like – Had been there a while. <laughs> yeah, if Vrabel, if Vrabel wanted to run the ball like 300 times with Derrick Henry, who also – you saw the decline in wins for the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel coincide with Derrick Henry kind of getting – less and less of a prominent role because he's older, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. You only rely on those running mm-hmm. backs for that long. But I'd put, like, if Vrabel was available, I, I think the Seahawks should consider that mm-hmm. very much. He's going to be a head coach, though. There's no way he'd go anywhere and be the D.C. I think he's got too much clout. I mean, if the jobs dry up and all those openings, like, close, mm-hmm. then he might have to. But I would say that there should be some teams, if you're on the fence about your head coach and Vrabel comes available, I'd move him to the top of the list. But, I mean, you know what? I Just to put a another, like, addendum onto this, I would maybe do the same thing for Belichick. Like, if I'm the Seahawks and we are, and you're saying, oh, we're going to make a move and move on from Pete Carroll and we're going to clean house, offensive coordinator done, defensive coordinator done, head coach done. Right. I would seriously consider one of those two as my next head coach. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I know Belichick's had a rough go of it in New England, but he's pretty clear that he wants to keep going, and I think a change of scenery could really sure. energize him. Uh, so th- those those to me would be totally viable options, not just for it's the Seahawks, a, but a lot of other a, teams as well. It's a scary proposition for a Seahawks fan to make a change from Pete Carroll and John Schneider because. Even though you might not be happy with how the team performed this season, like overall, they've been a very successful duo and they have created a culture there. Now, you can question whether or not that culture still remains. Um, But when you do make this change, if you do make this change and you look around at all the disasters that have happened in the NFL, Mm -hmm. like these coaches that come in with like, you know, this guy, you know, works all night and he's, he's, you know, he's great. He's super smart. And, and then, and then you realize like they're seriously lacking in like one key part of it. And a lot of that is like how to handle people. Yeah. Right. Like how to handle the, um, the EQ side of the job. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, yeah, you have to be able to handle people. Of course you do. But mostly you're there as a tactician. Schemes, X's and O's. X's and O's. And then when you're put in the job of a head coach and you've got all these other responsibilities, yeah, including media obligations, things like that, that's when some pl- some of these guys are just like, oh. <laughs> and then the reporter's like, uh, oh, he wasn't ready for this, right? That's... That's what you sign up for, that unknown, when you move on from a coach like Pete Carroll. But, like, I I know we're up against it for time, but whatever. Um, I don't think the Seahawks were well coached this year at all. No, they weren't. I don't think they they were well coached. I thought they got out coached and out I would agree with you on that. Like, I think that I kept coming back to them, like, why do they have so much talent and why are they so bad at football? Yeah, that way, and I kept, and that's that's all, never a good look. No, and that's it's always a, a reflection look. on the coaches, right? And then you talk about the losing of the room and the character issues, and that's that's all stuff that coaches need to control. I think they did a bad job coaching this year, offensively, defensively, and at the top with Pete. clearly. I think they clearly. did a bad job. Yeah. Okay, now we're up against it for time. We got to go to break. We'll come back. Humanoid, what we learns next. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet, six fifty. It's a complete crap. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 
is what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. They're playing the Darko Ryakovic freak out. We're just saying, imagine being the reporter he's staring at. He's while... not blinking. Stop yelling at me. Look at him. He's not blinked for at least two minutes. Oh, yeah, I didn't see a blink. No. If I was the guy interview, I would start crying. I'd straight <laughs> up, like, uh, yeah. I wasn't the ref. Yeah. I'm just asking the question. Jeez. You are a crap. <laughs> uh, Complete help. crap. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Um, we are going to get... To the listeners, we are going to give out tickets to see the 32 Thoughts live show. But Laddie, for the second consecutive day, with a what we learned. This not, one this one is hockey, is NHL, but is not Canucks. Yeah, another non-goalie, non-junior hockey, what we learned. I don't Crazy, know what bro. I'm turning into here. But I learned that Pierre-Luc Dubois has been a complete crap for the <laughs> LA Kings. Two assists in his last six games, secondary assists. Two goals in his last 21 games, Yikes. and he's down to 14 minutes a night. Who Four. thought the Jets would immediately be the beneficiaries of that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade? He's a fourth-liner now? He's a fourth-liner yeah. to the fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, we, talk, I mean, we talked about Dubois a little bit earlier in the show, um, and the Kings are running through a bit of a rough patch. Losers of six straight. It was easy to overlook the fact that Dubois wasn't contributing all that much early in the season when the Kings were... God, I don't want to say a wagon because I hate that word, but uh, they were playing well and winning a bunch of games. Uh, but since they aren't... They were a tractor. Yeah, since they aren't, now a lot of people are like, uh, shouldn't you be better? Like, they... Um, didn't that say a lot about Dubois, though, when he had that shift for the Blue Jackets when he just went out there and just, like, barely played? Like, you don't see that in the NHL very often. I mean, we are in a brave new world where we're seeing a lot of things in the NHL that we haven't seen. And you're like a guy saying, I'm not going to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. But um, but doing that on the ice is but pretty that, But Dubois, that same season, remember he had that monster effort in the bubble against yeah. against the, the Leafs, and he was really good. Uh, he was a really good player for them in Winnipeg mm-hmm. last year. I think he's a guy that knows exactly where the on-off switch is and isn't afraid to hit it. That's my well, take he, on he it. He should hit it now. He, well, should, he should flip it to on. Right. Well, the, the thing is, is acquiring him was one thing. <laughs> Signing him to the mega deal was the one where I was yeah, like, I'm just Uh-oh. looking at his deal now. Yeah. He's uh, on, uh, what was it, an eight-year? Did he's, he get eight years? He's an eight-by-eight. Eight, $68 right? million, yeah. $8.5 million cap hit. Yikes. Right? Like the guys that they acquired in um, Winnipeg aren't exactly killing it. Huberto's like, yeah, look at that Dubois contract. But everyone look over there. Yeah, exactly. Velarde's good. Velarde's been good. Yeah, he's almost uh, a pointy game guy. One, one of those two goals for Dubois, by the way, in the twenty-one games came against San Jose. So that doesn't even count. Right. So it's really only one <laughs> essentially goal. one goal. Right. Yeah, you have one NHL goal and one <laughs> AHL goal. Congratulations. There's like empty netter goal against the Sharks, regular goal. <laughs> okay. Uh, good. What we learned, laddie, Moo Cowett. And we're good here. We will fire up the Dot Matrix. 
ADOG, get ready with the winner. Uh, what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them on the internet at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! Every day this week, we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the 32 Thoughts live show Thursday, January 18th from Wicket Hall in Victoria. ADOG, are you ready to announce... Today, Wednesday's winner of yes. the pair of tickets. Uh, it's an unsigned one, but it's a good one. Made me laugh early in the day. What I learned, I learned that listening to Halford and Bruff and being unemployed in Victoria means I'm a perfect candidate for tickets to the Live 32 Thoughts podcast. <laughs> That's right. Ticket emoji. Nice. Nice. That's right, buddy. You sure are because you, you live sh- in Victoria. Are you unemployed? <laughs> oh, man. Some of the best days of my life were being unemployed. <laughs> yeah. Are you watching Check TV Just at 1.30 incredible. in the afternoon? Just and, amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say a reminder the show is uh, going live at 2 p.m., so smack in the middle of the afternoon. So you have to be, um, how should I put this? Available. A certain vintage <laughs> <laughs> to be able to make the show. Kudos to the text. We're giving away more tickets, so there are a lot of people that are um, deeply, deeply, deeply determined to get these tickets. Thursday and Friday, you still got two more shots to win tickets. To I'm actually, Thursday. I'm honestly surprised at how many people are, are submitting. I mean, it's a cool thing. Because there to- are a lot of prerequisites and people are still, no, nope, we're doing it. Uh, it is a pretty cool thing. Like Free Generic. Oh, totally. It's a very popular podcast, in case you haven't heard. And then you get Kevin Bieksa and Brian Burke. Oh, like, great. A, uh, it would be a very cool event. Uh, Pat the Pylon with a, what we learned. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Foote, it's funny because it's about defensemen. Yeah. Adam Foote has resuscitated Tyler Myers and Noah Juleson's careers and settled Zadorov. They have bought into his simple defer style and are not trying to play outside of their abilities. Use your size, use your reach, and make a simple pass to a forward. He's made them all into mini foots. Um, I'm always hesitant to like directly credit, you know, he coaches the defense. So that's why these guys are playing well. I think Ian Cole has helped Noah Juleson. I think the overall team system has helped yeah. these players. When you simplify and the forwards are, you know, helping out a little bit in the own zone, but certainly, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not disagreeing with this, but I always think it's, it's just a little bit more comfortable than going like, he's, he's in charge of the defenseman. So well, anything the defensemen do is on him, right? I will say this. For but he's been youth, a good ad. For the youths. For the kids out there, for those people asking, what was it like watching Roberto Luongo play on Reddit, which still haunts me <laughs> to this day? Um, Stressful. No, no, no. Remember that? I, I, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Um, for those that don't remember, Adam Foote was the premier stay-at-home, shutdown defensive defenseman of his era. Yeah. Like, if you look at his counting stats... They do not jump off the page. They you do don't not, have to count much. They do not scream Hall of Famer, but there are many, many people that believe that Adam Foote should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame because he was the mm-hmm. dictionary definition of a, a stay-at-home defense. And the game was different then. Yeah. There was more staying at home. There was a lot of staying at home. Like, there's a reason that he was on Olympic and World Cup teams, yeah. despite he scored like nine points a year. And, like, you know, listen, is- I, I, I've certainly been one of these people that said the Canucks need to move the puck better. And you hear that in today's game. you got to go back and retrieve the puck and avoid the pressure and make a good first pass and get out of your own end. For sure, that is all important. But I think one of the things where the Canucks really struggled was actually in their own end. And that's why they'd get trapped so often. And it's really important to have these 
big, strong guys, or at the very least, people that know how to use their body and use their stick because you have to be able to break up the cycle. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot let a team cycle on you repeatedly because it wears you down. It leads to injuries because you end up blocking a lot of shots. And so we ask a lot of defensemen in today's game, we're like, you got to be a puck mover and be part of the offense, but also still break up the, you know, break up the, the cycle and be tough and win battles in front of the net and clear in front of the net. So, um, you know, know, this defensive group is definitely coming along. It's really funny because then you mentioned Gonchar. And for the kids that don't remember watching Sergei Gonchar, there weren't many defensemen that were better offensively in their era than Sergei Gonchar. I had 26 Mm. goals one season. He made the all-star team five times. He was two times second all-NHL team all-star. Like, these are guys, again, I go back to what I said earlier. I would, I don't think there's another coaching trio behind a bench in the NHL right now with that much NHL playing clout. What was the one you brought up? Montreal. Montreal. So it's uh, Marty St. Louis. Louis, Hall of Famer. Alex Burroughs. Alex Burroughs, Ring of Honor. And, Trevor uh, Latowski. Trevor Latowski, who also played for the Canucks. Yeah, but the Canucks, nah, coaching, Canucks is still better. Canucks coaching staff could beat them up. Right? Like, like, beat the crap out of them. Latowski's yeah, yeah. a pretty tough customer. I don't know. Let they're, me, all, let me. they're all very sprightly. St. Louis got that little fiery little guy passion to <laughs> him. Does. I don't Burr, want to fight him. Burr would kick you in the groin for yeah. sure. Yeah. Or he, bite He just you. goes oh, all the obvious. Pocket sand. Uh, David from Surrey, what we learned, I learned that the Canucks proved me wrong because I was convinced that last night was the quote-unquote scheduled loss. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it. I'm with you on this. Third game in four nights. They're fat and happy after beating the Devils and the Rangers. Let's phone it in against the Islanders, but they absolutely did not do that. Especially after the second win against the Rangers, I was like, okay, that Islanders game is going to be the toughest one of the three Mm -hmm. just because of the circumstances, right? You're tired. I know you didn't have to travel that much, but you played Saturday and Monday against two pretty good teams that put you to the test, and then you throw your backup goalie in there. Now, granted, dismiss been great, so it's not like you're throwing him to the Wolves or anything. No. But you also sat Ian Cole just to give him a rest. And mm-hmm. So all those factors. They managed their minutes well in the Rangers game. Yep. It's just more about the the mindset, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And that goes top down. Like, we talk it all the way through the players. Like, they're like, we, we have the confidence to be able to make these changes. Mm-hmm. Knowing that we're still going to put forth a good effort because they didn't just beat the Islanders last night; like they dominated proceedings, right throughout the whole game, including the third. There was no push from the Say, Islanders. For the- uh, Gary, Gary Garrison. His middle name is Gary. My middle name, Gary is also Garrison. Gary. Middle name Gary. What we learned. Without taking a single regular season snap, Nathan Rourke made more money than any one player in the CFL. Uh, Sport track. Is it Spotrack? Spotrack. Spotrack. Says he earned more than $500,000 U.S. last season, while the highest paid player in the CFL is Zach Caleros at roughly $445,000 reason US Nathan Rourke went to the NFL, dollars. and that is well, one of them. That's one of them, and he's also young enough to actually chase the dream. Yep. But th- that was why getting picked up by the Patriots was such a big deal for him, because mm-hmm. when you – I won't go down the road too deep with, like, CBA and uh, contract rules, but when you get – on waivers, the team is then forced to keep you on the active roster. They can't stash you away right. on the practice roster. Is there a time limit for that, or is just the end of the, the season? Of the, the, well, it's because it happens so late in the up. season. There's a certain, I, I call it a breaking point where... Name the part of the CBA where it's... You can't that. just stash guys at <laughs> right. the end of the year. for We'll, we'll no, just keep around, right? Yeah, so yeah. good on work. I mean, would have been nice to have seen him get a snap. And really, I don't understand why not. Like, does Bill Belichick have that much allegiance to Bailey Zappi? But I was... 
I was pleased by the fact that they elevated him to the true number two backup and made Mac Jones the number three. Chet and Burnaby, what we learned, I learned absolutely nothing because the part of my brain that criticizes the Canucks has shut down after that performance. Yeah. The Dunbar Lumber text line is so happy right now. It is a ridiculous Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center in Butis in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Um, text line is 650-650. If you want to join the joy of talking about the Vancouver Canucks and the performance they just had over the last, well, all season, but in particular these last three games. Mm. You know, after that loss in St. Louis, we were like, eh, they should probably shake things up a little bit with the top six. They did. They reunited the lotto line. But I don't think anyone expected them to go through these three teams like they did. The New Jersey game, they played really, really well, except for a few wobbles at the end. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of like, yeah, the Devils are pretty banged up, though. Then they went into the Madison Square Garden and had an absolute, like, Harlem Globetrotters-like performance against the Rangers. They were deserving winners, and they played a really, really fun, attractive, creative game. But after that, we were like, okay, they won two games. Like, this is going to be a hard game against the Islanders. And their Islanders game might have been their most impressive performance of all from a purely team perspective of giving the other team nothing. Um, We have multiple texts in about this, but I'll read this one because it has a Vancouver Canucks slant from Tambo in East Van. Hashtag WW what we learned. I learned that the Miami Heat re-signed head coach Eric Spolstra to an eight-year, $120 million extension. According to Rick Dollywall, Leas Pedersen's agent was doing cartwheels when he heard the news. Yeah, Eric Spolster makes more than pretty much all the hockey players right now. And I'll remind you that Eric Spolster is a basketball coach. But um, <laughs> he's a good coach. Monty Williams got $80 million from the Pistons and they had like a record losing streak. I don't know how much people have been paying attention to NBA coaching salaries in the last mm-hmm. little bit, but they have gotten obscenely large. In part because there's no salary cap on coaches. So if you believe in the guy and you got the money, why not spend? Now, so- I wonder if NHL coaches will start going up soon because there was... Remember when Babcock signed that contract in Toronto and it did actually cause some inflation of coaching salaries. Temporarily. AV, AV made out like a bandit. Yeah, AV right? made a lot of money. Um, and But then the pandemic happened and they were like, we're clamping down. Yep. <laughs> there will be a market correction for all this stuff. Coaches as well, I would assume. Um Here's the thing, though. When you do what Spolster's done in Miami, and we talked about it a lot last year. Heat culture, baby. Heat culture. When you do something like that, and part of it is a branding exercise for sure, but when you build something like that, you become so valuable to your owner, and and you become so tied to franchise value that they have to go and pay you like this. Like Spolster right now is widely regarded as one of the best three active coaches in the NBA, it's like him, Steve Kerr, and Greg Popovich. The big difference is that Popovich is currently coaching one of the worst teams in the NBA. The Spurs right. are horrible, and they're losing a ton of games. But everyone kind of understands that's part of the it's process. Uh, and Steve Kerr has to deal with Draymond Green. So that alone, everyone's like, "I God bless that guy. Wins or losses, that's a tough job right there. Uh, okay, a dog. I might need your help on this one. Marcus and Gibson's what we learned. I learned that some fans st- still send fan mail. After Luongo got a nasty letter for saying, free the skate. Mm -hmm. Remember, that's how, you know what? I saw Luongo's Twitter account. I looked at the letter and I said, too long, 
didn't read. I'm, I'm happy for you. Or I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ain't reading all that. Things. Yeah, I was I like, all that. first of all, it's yeah. in cursive. I am not reading well, all that. It just a, it so was, who who wrote well, this? Well, he cut out the name. It was just an angry Canucks fan that wrote him uh, that was unhappy for some reason that he said free the skate like he feels it should be their prime jersey like it's somehow disrespecting the the history and the tradition of the franchise right it was unhinged to say the least and i respect the letter the the, the, i respect someone who sits down to write a good old-fashioned letter he penned it out and then did did he mail it to i guess the florida panthers i guess i mean it didn't it it was rambly didn't make a whole lot of sense Mm -hmm. uh but he just wasn't Happy it was just kind of like, you're not in this bubble anymore. What do you know about what the fan base wants? It was in that vein. Right. It was very, very strange. It was a lot like our text message inbox. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just more well thought out. <laughs> I was going to say, like, there was a very, and I, I feel bad for everyone named Karen, because I feel like they've been unfairly thrust into this, like, meme of the Karens, but it was, yeah. it was a Karen letter, right? Kind of was. Yeah. Luongo yeah, seems like was. he gets a lot of mail too. Because I remember a couple of years ago, he he tweeted another letter he got saying, "Please sign this picture for me, Luongo. I'm your biggest fan." And it was a picture of Corey Schneider Ooh, in a Vancouver uniform. That's tough. So he posted that one as well. Would have been funny if it was from Schneider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he spelled Corey wrong. He put or he was he mentioning C- Corey Schneider. Is, he I never is he a C O R Y or C O R E Y? I believe he's an E Y. Corey Schneider. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I'll have to double check. Well, the right. toughest thing in hockey right now is to is figuring out if uh, Connor. No, no, no E. If a Connor C-O-R-S. has, he's a, he's a no E. He's okay. a no E. What about Connor with two N's? So Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard both two N's. Mm-hmm. But Connor Garland. Garland is one N. One. Yeah. He's Connor. Right? We still get people. Code, I am Conor. Conor. Conor McGregor is also a Conor. We still get people texting in with Kessler with two S's. <sighs> yep. We'll never. Those will never go out of style. Yeah. Incorrectly spelling Ryan Kessler. Small pet forever. peeve, just because I'm a goalie guy, but the people that would text in Ian Clark and then add an E for yeah. some reason to the end of his name, right. like, wh- why are you adding letters to E? It's Ian Clark. It's a straightforward name. Well, but just, some, sometimes there's an E on the end. Just Clark, no E. Uh, uh, I got one here from the Canavar. Okay. Or do you want to go? No, 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 you go. Uh, hashtag WWE, what we learned, what I learned, is that with the heater that the Oilers have on in, or in the last 16 games, they've only managed to make up two points on the Canucks. Yeah, it is kind of crazy because I keep checking the standings with all these Oilers wins to see how much they're gaining on everyone, and they're really not. Like, they are gaining in the Pacific because... Um, well, they're gaining. I mean, they're in a playoff spot now. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, like, there's st- there's so many teams that are uh, on really big win streaks right now. The Canucks are still 14 points up on the Oilers. The Canucks and Jets are so elite right now. The one in, number one and two in the NHL that they won't get caught. But I, I mean, oh boy, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> don't even care. I said it. Um, jinxes are for the weak-minded. Yeah, they don't count. Mm-hmm. Right, I say shutout in the third period of scoreless games. Like I'll do it. I don't yeah. care. I like to live on the Ooh, edge. Ooh, yeah. Look at this guy over here. I'll put it on Twitter next time. I don't Brave care. Man. Actually, that's not true. Uh, my New Year's verse. I'm not tweeting during games at all. Words because they can be misconstrued. People on social media get legit upset about potential jinx tweets. Oh, yeah. Like legitimately upset, and I'm kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter what. I tweet during they, a but, hockey game. But the, the people don't. Like they we don't. Jokingly, some, some people we are like, why would you even test it? I'm yeah. like, but I'm testing nothing. Why, I'm testing why nothing. Put that nothing at there? all. Why nothing. put that out there? Why? Put it out in, in what? Into the universe? Can, in the universe? Into like, yeah. From my couch? Yes. Yes. Really? Yes, can. I can speak Canuck. Like, so here's the thing. Well, you've been so negative tough. your whole life. That's why they've lost. Well, you know what's tough, too? Is like, 
I can't tweet anything positive during a game because people are like, don't jinx this. Mm-hmm. But also if I'm negative, I'm being negative. So to the no there's no room is, for nuance in social media. It's just it's a Well, my tweets aren't particularly nuanced, I would say. No, that's true. No. They're like, come on, you're playing of. well. <laughs> don't jinx it. That was a good shift. <laughs> jinx. <laughs> Karen. Yeah, people get upset. Uh, Karen from Campbell River just texted in. I'd like to speak to the manager of the station immediately. Sorry. It's something Sorry. Karen would text in, yeah. Sorry, Karen. I know. I feel bad. Karen, it is unfair. Karen, we were talking to Karen Cern about that, and she was like, yeah, it's uh, not a great development. It's unfortunate name to have these It days. is. We should reclaim Karen for all the Karens out there. Not the Karen Karens, but the Karens. The a real Karens. Karen. The OG Karens. No Canucks uh, tonight, but uh, they still got three games left on this road trip. Uh, tomorrow they're in Pittsburgh to play a Penguins team that I'm very curious about. I think this Penguins team is good. But the results don't seem to be following them. So we'll talk to Sean Gentilly about the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow. Uh, it's been a fun show, but the music suggests we got to get out of here. Signing off on behalf of Jason Bruff, A-Dog, Laddie, and intern Sonia. I have been Mike Halford, and this has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's a complete crap.